I lived in an apartment in Durham that was badly haunted. For almost six months, I was visited by a demonic entity at night that came from the woods out back. It's a whole story, but the boyfriend independently confirmed what I was seeing without me mentioning a thing, and that told me I wasn't going crazy. It made me so sick I almost died three years later, and I'm slowly recovering. We had to have the house blessed, which I've never done before, but it was a last-ditch effort. Moved to a new location and both the boyfriend and I have seen spirits walking around the home, luckily nothing demonic. I would normally think I'm crazy, but when you have someone else independently verify things you begin to trust it's actually happening. One night we both saw his father come down the stairs and walked into the kitchen. His father has Parkinson's and the entity was so vivid, we thought he passed upstairs in his room. After as ourselves, we both go running to check on him, and he was fine in the shower. So many experiences, and even the ones I'm talking about have much more to the story. I've experienced stuff like this my whole life, but the area here is very active. I did learn that a huge war was fought in Durham, so perhaps that's the reason. I'll probably never know. Fiance claims she heard someone yelling help from the woods. To give some perspective on the scenario, we live in an apartment complex at the edge of town in Illinois. Right next to us is a woodsy area full of coyotes and deer and lots of birds, so it's pretty lively. Last night at 3 a.m., she went outside to grab a case of water from the trunk of our car, and when she was grabbing it, she claimed she heard someone say, hello, in a girl's voice coming from the woods. She couldn't see anything, but she replied back, confused, saying hello back. Whatever it was ended up saying, can somebody help me? And that's when she got the chills and ran as fast as she could back inside our house. Right before she entered the house, she said she heard it again with the voice getting closer asking for help. But instead of a normal girl voice, it turned into a girl voice that didn't even sound real, and she couldn't explain the change in the voice. Plus, she said afterwards, thinking about it, that her voice sounded familiar, but couldn't point out whose voice. Why I believe she wasn't bullshitting is because two years living here, we've never talked about things like this. And when she rushed inside, she startled me because her face was in shock and she was breathing heavily, like I thought she seen something or heard a gunshot, I don't know. My question is, she thinks it was a skinwalker because who would be out at 3 a.m. asking for someone to help them in the woods? What do you guys think? I also read online that you aren't supposed to interact, nor share the encounter you had about a skinwalker. She will be alright this one time sharing the story, I hope. For the past few nights, I've been kept awake by an unsettling noise. Something heavy moving across the roof. It's an old house, and every creak or groan it makes is familiar to me. But this, this was something different, something alien. It was heavy, rhythmic, almost like footfalls. In an attempt to understand the nature of the noise, my boyfriend agreed to go up on the roof during the day. We reasoned that if it was an animal, maybe it had left some traces behind. Plus, we could judge the weight of the creature based on how the roof responded to his weight. As he moved, I listened from inside, comparing the sounds. What we discovered was unsettling whatever was on our roof at night was significantly heavier than my boyfriend. Wolves had been spotted in our area recently, a pair seen trotting down the road one evening, 
their eyes reflecting in our headlights. But even a wolf wouldn't weigh more than my boyfriend. What was prowling our roof at night was much heavier. Then, a few nights ago, we heard something that chilled us to our cores. A barking sound that seemed to move swiftly across our yard. We heard it clearly, despite being inside with a TV on. There was something off about the sound, something that didn't sit right with us. It was unlike any dog's bark we'd ever heard. It was deeper, more guttural, and it had an unnerving quality to it that I couldn't put my finger on. The following morning, we found deep, large paw prints around our house and leading onto the roof. The prints were unlike any I've seen before, larger than those of a wolf, with longer, claw-like indentations. Now we're left wondering what creature is haunting our home, what prowls on our roof at night, watches us with unseen eyes, and barks with an eerie, otherworldly tone. The fear has seeped into our everyday lives, tainting every creak of the old house, every rustle of leaves in the yard. We've taken turns staying up at night, hoping to catch a glimpse of the creature. We've installed cameras around the property, their red lights blinking in the darkness. Yet every morning we find nothing but those large, clawed footprints, a haunting reminder of our nocturnal visitor. One night, my boyfriend suggested we venture out when we heard the sound again. Armed with a flashlight and his grandfather's old shotgun, we cautiously stepped outside. The yard was bathed in moonlight, the long shadows twisting and coiling like serpents. The barking started again, echoing through the silence of the night. We followed the sound, our hearts pounding in our chests. As we rounded the corner of the house, the flashlight beam fell onto the roof. What we saw in that moment, illuminated in the harsh white light, will forever be etched into my memory. A massive creature, larger than any wolf, its body covered in dark, matted fur. It had glowing red eyes, and it was staring right at us. Its lips pulled back in a snarl, revealing sharp, glistening teeth. We scrambled back inside, locking every door, every window. We huddled in the living room, the image of the creature seared into our minds. We haven't been able to sleep since. We're still trying to make sense of what we saw, still trying to understand what this creature is. But one thing is clear, we're living in its territory, and it knows we're here. Our peaceful home now feels like a prison, and every night, as the heavy footfalls start on the roof, we're reminded of the terror that lurks in the darkness. I remember a chilling story that was shared with me by my uncle and my dad. It happened during one of their jobs near a dense wooded area. It all began when my uncle mysteriously vanished, leaving my dad bewildered. Concerned for his brother's safety, my dad started searching the woods, desperately trying to locate him. And then, amidst the eerie silence of the forest, my dad stumbled upon my uncle frantically running around. Naturally, my dad was taken aback and demanded an explanation. What the hell are you doing? he exclaimed. But my uncle, his face etched with a mixture of fear and confusion, responded with something that sent shivers down my spine. I swear to God, I heard someone calling my name out here, and I was trying to find out where it was coming from. That story has always haunted me. It's unsettling to think that such experiences are not uncommon. The idea of hearing phantom voices in the woods, calling out to unsuspecting souls, continues to send a chill down my spine. It's as if the forest holds secrets, 
whispering their mysteries into the ears of those who dare to listen. My friend Jake is a sound guy for a local theater group. The other night, he finished a late-night rehearsal and was driving home when he saw something that made him question the very fabric of reality. He was on this empty four-lane road, only illuminated by the dim glow of his headlights. Out of nowhere, he noticed something unusual in the distance. It was tall and skinny, almost resembling a person, but something was just off about it. As he got closer, he realized it was entirely pitch black from head to toe. It stood eerily still for a moment, and then, without warning, it sprinted across the road with a speed he'd never seen before. One moment it was there, and the next it was gone. Jake swears it wasn't an animal. He said it was too tall, too humanoid, but it didn't move like any person he'd ever seen. Jake told me this story, his voice trembling. He was scared, and I couldn't blame him. I'd heard of such encounters before, stories about creatures called crawlers, but I thought they were just urban legends. Most accounts describe them as pale and gaunt creatures, but could there be different kinds? Could crawlers be pitch black too? It's unnerving to say the least. This happened near my house and I don't know what to make of it. I keep wondering what lurks in the darkness when the world is asleep. Is it some unknown predator, a crawler, or something else altogether? I'm not sure I want to find out. For now, I'm taking extra precautions. I keep the doors and windows locked, and I'm considering investing in some security cameras. I'm not going to let some demon crawler, or whatever it is, disrupt my life. But I won't lie, every creak in the night, every rustle of leaves outside, sends a chill down my spine. It's a chilling reminder that there are things out there we don't understand, and some things are better left unknown. I'll never forget the ghostly encounter I had at the Menger Hotel in San Antonio. It happened during a school trip back in high school, and little did I know, the hotel had a reputation for being haunted. I was about to discover this firsthand. Two other girls and I were assigned to share a room. It seemed like a typical hotel room, nothing out of the ordinary. However, as we settled in, I noticed a hairbrush placed on the bed near the foot end, but away from the edge. It was a strange position, but I didn't think much of it at first. As I sat on the bed, engrossed in conversation with my friends, something unbelievable occurred. Out of nowhere, the hairbrush flew off the bed, landing on the floor. I was taken aback and couldn't help but laugh, jokingly suggesting that if the hotel was haunted, a mischievous ghost must have been responsible for the brush's sudden movement. The following day, I mentioned the incident to our teacher and some other students on the trip. To my surprise, they informed me that the Menger Hotel was indeed known for its paranormal activity, and the third floor, where we were staying, supposedly experienced the most ghostly encounters. It sent chills down my spine to think that we had been in the epicenter of the hotel's haunting. Curiosity peaked. I decided to conduct some research to confirm their claims. To my amazement, I discovered numerous accounts of ghostly encounters at the Menger Hotel, solidifying its haunted reputation. The stories ranged from apparitions wandering the halls to strange noises and unexplained phenomena. It was a revelation that left me both fascinated and slightly unnerved. As I gazed out of our room window, 
which provided a view of the historic Alamo, I couldn't help but wonder if the spirits of the past still roamed these corridors. The experience at the Menger Hotel taught me to approach the unknown with an open mind. Sometimes the most unexpected encounters can occur in the most unlikely places. From that day forward, I developed a deep interest in the supernatural and the stories of haunted locations, always keeping an open ear to tales of the unexplained. Though my stay at the Menger Hotel was brief, the memory of that ghostly encounter remains etched in my mind, a reminder that there are mysteries beyond our understanding, waiting to be discovered, even in the most historic and renowned establishments. Early morning, December 16, 29, at approximately 1.30 a.m., I witnessed a weird creature as I drove home from a holiday party. I live in western Maryland, a few miles outside of Grantsville, Maryland, Garrett County. The sighting occurred only one mile from my house. I was completely sober since I cannot drink alcohol for medical reasons. As well, I was not tired since I had slept several hours before I went to the party. I was alone, though I had given a friend a ride to her home. I was traveling at the posted speed limit, maybe a bit less since I always watch for wildlife crossing the road after dark. I slowed down because there appeared to be an animal digging in some trash next to the right side of the road. It was 20 feet or so from my car. I slowed down to get a better look and noticed that the creature was too tall, upright, and bulky to be any animal that I have ever seen locally. I'd say about 4 feet tall and about 80 pounds. It was dark gray in color with long, straight, coarse hair. Then it turned and stared at me with its large eyes set forward on its face that appeared bright red in the headlight. The paws were very unusual, almost like human hands with long fingers. It acted surprised that I was there, but remained motionless staring back at me. The face was shaped a lot like a large rat, but had a flat face. I didn't notice a tail. After several seconds it crouched down on all fours and scampered off in a long gait toward the woods nearby. I decided not to chase after it since I had a bad feeling about this thing. I told a police officer friend who told me that there was a similar sighting the winter before after a homeowner witnessed it feeding on a deer in their backyard. He said that I should file a report with state wildlife officials, but I wanted to see if anyone could suggest an identity of the creature before I file the report. I've been keeping to myself for the past year, trying to make sense of the strange occurrences happening in my home. It all started with the bathroom lights turning on and off sporadically, without any explanation. At first, I brushed it off as an electrical glitch, but as time went on, more peculiar things began happening. One of the most unnerving experiences was my television turning on and off multiple times throughout the night. It happened so frequently that it disrupted my sleep and left me feeling unsettled. I tried to rationalize it, blaming it on faulty wiring or a malfunctioning remote. But deep down, I knew there was something more to it. Another odd incident involved my AC thermostat. Despite my family knowing how much I dislike returning home to a hothouse after working outside, they assured me they hadn't touched the thermostat. Yet, time and time again, I found it switched off when I entered the house. It was a baffling situation, as if someone or something had a mischievous agenda. 
What struck me as even more peculiar was the synchronicity between my experiences and those of my sister. We had never discussed these strange occurrences, but somehow they seemed to coincide. Shortly after my activity picked up, she claimed to have seen a lady walking past her bedroom door. It sent shivers down my spine to know that she was witnessing similar unexplained phenomena. One rainy evening, my sister and her husband were watching TV when their satellite signal suddenly went out. As they patiently waited for it to restore, they could hear a faint, muted conversation emanating from their bedroom. Intrigued and slightly alarmed, my sister went to investigate, but as soon as she reached the door, the voices ceased. These inexplicable events seemed to be happening to both of us in different corners of the house. Over the years, strange happenings have become a regular occurrence for our family. While my wife was initially frightened by these occurrences, she has grown accustomed to them, realizing that nothing harmful or malevolent ever comes from them. However, it still gives her an eerie feeling, especially when I'm away from home. As for me, I'm left with more questions than answers. What is the source of these strange phenomena? Is there an unseen presence within our home, trying to make its presence known? I continue to search for explanations, but until then, I've come to accept that some mysteries may never be fully understood. Back in 1991, I stumbled upon an alleged secret government facility in Hawaii. As a former employee there, I knew I had to share the extraordinary things that had been happening behind those heavily guarded walls for years. The facility housed a classified unit that trained psychic warriors, capable of remote viewing into realities and timelines where, it seemed, humans had never set foot. I, William Edgar, worked at this mind-bending facility in the late 80s. What I witnessed there was beyond the realms of everyday comprehension. Every military personnel was versed in the art of psychic warfare, enabling them to be deployed into other timelines and universes. They harnessed clairvoyance and precognition to achieve their mission objectives. The U.S. government, according to my insights, had discovered an interdimensional travel method for these classified units. They manipulated the biophysical bodies of personnel to induce out-of-body experiences, leaving their physical bodies behind. I believe this secret government operation aimed to harness time and space's power, accessing other universes that existed in the same spatial plane, but different temporal ones. When a person was said to have left their body, they entered what's known as the biophysical phase. As per conspiracy theory lore, Leaving the physical form behind enables a person to defy the laws of physics, walking through walls, flying, and even traveling through different timelines or parallel universes. They could venture into epochs before human civilization emerged on Earth. I noticed that recruits were being selected from top-tier universities across America. Many of these students showed exceptional potential for psychic abilities, often linked to their youth. These recruits underwent rigorous training to sharpen their abilities before they were deemed ready for field missions. Tragically, my life was cut short in a fatal car accident in 1993, shortly after I released this information. The Hawaiian government and the United States government were quick to respond, dismissing all my claims as preposterous and absurd. Yet, I can only share the truth as I experienced it.
In the year 2023, I found myself camping alone in the woods, a place where I sought peace and solitude. My first few nights were rather peaceful, marked only by the typical sounds of nature. But one morning, I woke up to the sight of my campsite in utter chaos. My fire pit was scattered, wood and ash strewn about haphazardly, and my favorite log split in two. The worst part, however, was the monstrous footprint left in the ash, a chilling reminder of something inhuman. Despite the unease, I decided to venture deeper into the woods. I chose a small clearing surrounded by a dense patch of trees and shrubs, which offered some semblance of safety. I hoped that this move would be the end of the strange occurrences, but I couldn't have been more wrong. On my first night in the new spot, I woke up around midnight, nature calling. The air was buzzing with an energy I couldn't quite place, and a sense of dread hung heavy in the air. But sleep-dazed and needing to relieve myself, I stepped out of the tent. As I did, I heard a whimpering sound from behind, the same sound I'd heard nights before. I turned around slowly, and there it was. A tall, thin figure was standing in the moonlight, its head bowed, revealing a face unlike anything I'd seen. Its body was eerily contorted, and its limbs twisted in a way that seemed to defy the laws of anatomy. The pale skin under the moonlight was hairless and sickly, and the rotten smell in the air confirmed my worst fears. This was the creature responsible for the footprint and the chaos at my previous campsite. Suddenly, it looked up. Its eyes were a burning red, filled with an anger and intensity that made my blood run cold. In an instant, it was on me, slashing its claws across my chest. The pain was immediate and intense, and blood soaked my clothes. In a fit of rage, the creature hurled me against a nearby tree, the impact breaking my ribs and blurring my vision. Somehow, I managed to escape and stumbled my way to the ER, arriving at 4 a.m., drenched in blood and babbling about the creature in the woods. The terror of that night still haunts me, a vivid reminder of the horrifying cryptid that lurks in the shadows of the woods. I've spent various stretches of time backpacking and camping throughout the U.S. and seen some strange things. My brother and I came across an abandoned trailer town of sorts that scared the hell out of us. We also came across a rundown town really, really small out in New Mexico that seemed to have one person living in it. We based it on the fact that there was still some food and supplies there that were fairly fresh, perhaps just a few days old. Spent a couple days there trying to find the person just to find out why they were staying in the town. Never found a person. We found the skeletal remains of an unknown number of deer ranging from bucks to fawn ensnared in a barbed wire fence that encompassed a 10 by 10 area in the Ozarks. A few of the skulls topped the fence posts, and there was one post in the middle of this area that had decaying deer bodies looked to be two, but there were only six hooves jutting out of the wreckage wrapped around it. We found a dummy hanging from a tree while in the Yukon Territory of Canada, literally out in the middle of the woods. No reason for it, as far as we know. And we also came across a dead junkie on a road out of Olympia. Obvious OD, as he had his arm tied and a needle in hand. Eyes were glazed over and staring straight ahead, mouth slightly ajar. In the summer of 2023, I embarked on a backpacking trip in Yellowstone National Park, 
an adventure that would lead me to an eerie discovery. We were hiking high above the tree line, approximately 10, 500 feet up, on a ridge overlooking a tranquil, secluded lake. The view was breathtaking, the pristine beauty of nature as far as the eye could see. As we trekked along the ridge, something unusual caught my eye, standing out starkly against the rocky terrain. There, in the middle of nowhere, was a horse skull. No body, just the skull, bleached white by the sun, its hollow eye sockets staring into oblivion. It was a macabre but fascinating sight, and I couldn't help but wonder about the story behind it. We pressed on, reaching our campsite, which was a short distance away from the lake, near the location where we'd found the horse skull. The day's hike had been long and strenuous, so we decided to descend to the lake for a refreshing swim. However, as we approached the water's edge, we were met with a gruesome scene that froze us in our tracks. There, rotting at the edge of the lake, was the body of the horse, its flesh decaying and bones protruding in a grotesque display. The sight was profoundly disturbing, but what was even more bizarre was the sight of negative film strips floating in the water, scattered around the shore near the decaying body. Some of the film strips had washed ashore, their images distorted and faded but still visible. The sight was eerie, to say the least, a strange and morbid juxtaposition of life and death. It was as if we had stumbled upon the remnants of some dark, unsolved mystery. The horse skull, the decaying body, the negative film strips, all were pieces of a puzzle that seemed to defy understanding. That night, as we huddled around our campfire, the image of the horse skull and the decaying body haunted me. The lake, which had earlier seemed so serene, now felt like an enigma, its still waters holding onto a secret that we had inadvertently disturbed. The sight of the negative film strips, each one holding a snapshot of an unknown story, only added to the mystery. I often find myself reflecting on that day, the memory etched in my mind. The horse skull, the decaying body, the negative film strips all served as a stark reminder of the unexpected and often inexplicable things one can encounter while venturing into the wilderness. This happened back in February and I just want to know what I heard. My boyfriend and I and a couple of friends decided to try winter camping and threw together a quick camping trip. We got to the park late and ended up camping two miles into the park directly on the trail. Everyone else fell asleep quickly and I stayed up. I'm already wary of the woods and I didn't love that nobody put their food up. This is in the Appalachian Mountains and I wasn't crazy about waking up to a black bear looking for food. Approximately around midnight, I heard what sounded exactly like the Nazgul screams from the Lord of the Rings movies. It sounded like one scream, and then others joined in until it was one very loud scream from many voices then died off. It made the hair on the back of my neck stand up, and I immediately woke up my boyfriend and begged him to stay up with me all night. He thinks I heard coyotes, but I have never in my life heard coyotes make that sound, and also he didn't hear the screaming. We weren't near any towns, it sounded like it was on the top of the mountains where it's all woods, and we were camped at the base. The only thing I can think of is sirens, but I've never heard sirens like that, and I don't see why there would be multiple, and it sounded too animal-like. It also wasn't an elk. We don't have them in our area, and even if we did it didn't sound like the elk audio recordings I listened to.
I was riding my horse above a friend's place looking for an old mine that was supposed to be up there. There were no trails, so I made my way through the trees and using deer trail. I was making one last look-see before heading back down, following a deer trail and suddenly the same time my horse stopped, snorting and spooked, smelled this god-awful smell. The horse would not take another step forward and kept trying to turn away and head down the mountain. I gave him his lead and kept looking back. The hare was standing on the back of my neck. We went down about 50 yards, I got off and looked hard up where we had come from. I didn't see anything but just got this feeling, something was watching me as much as I was looking up. I got back on the horse and we headed back to my friend's ranch. When I got there I told him what happened. He never experienced anything like that, but he said he had heard some strange noises on occasion. At the time, I wasn't much of a believer in Bigfoot, but since then I've done a lot of research and have become a full believer in the Sasquatch and have spent some time in the woods looking for tracks and or to sight one myself. I went back up there the next day and tied my horse, walked up past where we had stopped. I didn't find any tracks as the ground was dry and hard and had plenty of undergrowth but there were signs that something had passed through there. I have hunted and camped these mountains in southern Oregon for over 25 years and been a hunter all my life, sometimes with a camera, sometimes with a gun, now that I'm sort of retired. I'm going on the hunt for Bigfoot myself. This is one mystery we need to define with absolute proof, one way or another. When I was 18, 2005, my mom was giving me a ride to work. My car had got impounded for something stupid, and I had to wait 30 days to get it back. In the meantime, my mom was giving me rides to work. On Saturdays, I worked morning shift, so I had to be at work by 5 a.m. That means we had to leave the house no later than 4.30. It was still dark outside like pitch black and very cold. That morning, as my mom drive me to work, from a distance I could see a figure getting ready to cross the road basically jaywalk in front of us. As we got closer I can see it was a young girl. I thought to myself damn caught her doing the walk of shame lol. She had no shoes, a long white shirt like if she was wearing a man's white tee. It was big on her, it looked like she had no pants on, but you could barely see she had these short jean shorts under her large shirt, like the kind that used to be pants but she cut herself to make shorts. She wasn't wearing shoes. My mom started talking shit in Spanish like what kind of girl walks around the streets at this hour dressed like that. She was walking now in the middle of the street super slow to the point my mom had to stop like 10 feet away from her because she was still in the street now blocking us. When my, my mom stopped, the girl came to a complete stop but wasn't facing us, it was facing in the direction. It was crossing, crossing from my right to left. As we now were close, I could see her skin was a real bluish gray. Her hair was black. It looked wet and tangled like she just got out the shower. My mom was about to honk at her when she slowly turns her head to look right at us. Her hair was covering her face. She looked like the girl from the ring. The part that I'll never forget was that she moved her hair out the way and she had no face. Like nothing, it was just all smooth. Like Slender Man, no eyes, no mouth, no nose. It just looked smooth. My mom started to have a panic attack. I literally felt my heart drop. 
I now was focused on calming my mom down. The girl looked at us for like two, three seconds, then took of running. It didn't move at irregular speeds, but now it was active. I never saw anything like that in my life. Till this day, my mom and I can't explain what that was. I guess I was sharing my story in hopes that maybe someone else has seen something similar. Something with no face. I grew up in East Texas on what was an old cotton plantation. Heck, the pine timber behind my house was terraced off down the hill from where the old cotton rows were once planted. Anyhow, I don't have time to go into all of the details, but trust me, there are things. Maybe spirits, maybe not, that do things that we cannot explain. I lived in terror in that house for five years. Things got so bad that my mother had her log of events notarized and signed by the realtor and an attorney prior to putting the house on the market. Lights switching on and off, dark shadows crossing the halls, an old black man standing at the foot of the bed with hollow eyes just staring through you. Carpenters that refused to work in the house after hearing mumbling voices, balls of white and blue light bouncing off the walls in rooms where there was none. Absolutely no outside source from plane, light, etc. Ah, deep breath. Okay, horrible smells that would move from room to room that smelled like death. It grabbed my dad who refused to believe this mess up until that point. I could go on and on and on. The believers will nod their heads while the naysayers spew their beer laughing. It's all fun and games until something happens to you that you can't explain. Good luck to the naysayers. I am sure you will rush back to this string for support if and when anything ever happens to you. Oh, and yes, the house sold three months after we sold it and has changed hands multiple times since. My mother ran into one of the previous owners and he nearly broke down in tears when she asked him if anything weird ever happened while he lived there. Anyhow, that's a piece of my story. I lived it and it sucked. I'm Officer Miller, and I've had some extraordinary encounters in New London County while on patrol. It all started one night around midnight. I was sitting in my parked cruiser when, to my astonishment, I spotted a creature just 15 feet away. It was large, covered in short dark hair, and completely devoid of any clothing or jewelry. But what truly caught my attention were its massive gray eyes that emitted an eerie glow, like a flashlight cutting through the darkness. Several months later, I received information about an unrelated incident involving three missing individuals who were hunting in the same area where I had encountered the creature before. Determined to investigate further, I gathered a team and set up traps, hoping to catch a glimpse or any evidence of its presence. Despite our efforts, the heavy rainfall hindered our search and we came up empty-handed. Five weeks passed and I had long forgotten about the incident when I received a phone call at home. It was the deputy sheriff in charge of the missing person's case, asking if I had witnessed anything unusual. Due to the persistent rain, I knew the creature wouldn't have left any traceable evidence. Nevertheless, I recounted what I had seen five weeks earlier, a towering figure measuring around seven to eight feet in height, with short dark hair and a face that was nothing short of grotesque. And those eyes, still vivid in my memory, glowed with a strange gray hue. During the summer of 1973, I heard another chilling account from Detective Bradson. 
He was called to investigate reports of an unknown animal slaughtering livestock. Initially presumed to be a wolf or coyote, it quickly became apparent that something far more mysterious was at play. As Bradson walked through the woods, he stumbled upon large tracks that led him into a dense swamp area enveloped by thick vegetation. It was in that moment that an unsettling feeling washed over him an eerie sensation of being watched, and in the distance he caught sight of a pair of bright green eyes. Reacting instinctively, Bradson drew his gun and fired a warning shot into the air. But as quickly as the eyes appeared, they vanished, leaving him with a sense of impending danger. As darkness descended upon the surroundings, Branson decided it was best to retreat. He couldn't shake the feeling that whatever lurked in those woods was observing his every move. The description he gave of the creature mirrored the one I had encountered in my own report, though his encounter occurred four years prior to mine. These unsettling events continue to baffle us, leaving us with more questions than answers. What is this enigmatic being that roams our county? Is it merely a figment of our imagination or something far more tangible? As an officer dedicated to serving and protecting, it is my duty to uncover the truth behind these strange encounters, no matter how unnerving they may be. I have a friend whose father worked for the Forest Service. We found Skookum Lake from one of his maps. This was a primitive campsite just north of Bagby Hot Springs. As soon as we arrived, we set up camp and went for a long hike up Thunder Mount after the hike. The sun was beginning to set. All four of us were beat, so we got ready for bed. No drinking, no drugs, no funny stuff. Exhausted, I fell asleep as soon as I hit my mummy bag. Sometime during the night, I heard some noises, not your usual nighttime forest noises. I heard large rocks being thrown down the ridge, banging off the other rocks on the way down. And from the hike earlier in day, I noticed a large pile of boulders near the top of the ridge. It sounded like something was hunting for something. I sat up in my tent 100% alert. I wasn't dreaming. I tried to wake up my friends, but was frozen stiff. I was surprised no one else woke up. Finally, I was asleep, only to be awakened to footsteps outside our camp. It didn't sound like a bear, because the footsteps were spaced apart longer than a four-legged animal. I could not talk, so I tried to throw my socks at my friends. Nothing at all. I forced myself to sleep. And the next day I only asked if anyone else woke up last night to any loud noises. No one did, so I never mentioned the rocks and footsteps. There were no footprints anywhere. We didn't like all the mosquitoes, so we left Skookum Lake for another camp. It won't until a few years later when I read about other incidents at Skookum. That's why I think it may have been the Sasquatch. Eleven of us gathered at the crack of dawn, a motley crew of seasoned hunters, each with our own stories etched onto weathered faces and calloused hands. We were embarking on a hunting trip like no other, deep into the untamed wilderness of Oklahoma. Our rifles gleamed in the morning light, a testament to our prowess and determination. As we ventured further into the remote wilderness, our senses sharpened, attuned to every rustle of leaves and fleeting shadow. The air grew heavy with anticipation, and a sense of foreboding washed over us. It was as if the forest itself held its breath, 
waiting for our first encounter. Days turned into nights, and with each passing moment, the weight of an unseen presence pressed upon us. The cryptid, an unknown entity lurking in the depths of the forest, haunted our every step. Whispered tales of its ferocity and insatiable hunger filled our campfire conversations, fueling both curiosity and fear. Then it began a hunter would vanish without a trace, leaving behind nothing but unanswered questions and a chilling silence that hung in the air. Fear gripped our hearts as the encounters grew more frequent and the cryptid reveled in our despair. One by one, our numbers dwindled, falling victim to the wrath of this supernatural predator. Desperation consumed us, and we realized the true nature of our foa dogman, a creature akin to the mythical werewolf, prowling through the darkness with lethal intent. The final hunter, battered and bloodied, stood alone against the relentless assault. He clutched his rifle tightly, determined to defy the odds. A fierce battle ensued, gunfire ripping through the stillness of the forest, but the dogman proved resilient, shrugging off the hunter's bullets. Just as the werewolf lunged forward, ready to deliver the final blow, it froze, sensing a presence in the distance. With a primal howl, it vanished into the shadows, retreating to the sanctuary of the woods. Moments later, a park ranger emerged from the depths of the forest, drawn by the echoing turmoil. With a mixture of relief and pain, he rushed to the injured hunter's side, offering solace and aid. It was a bittersweet victory. I'm Officer Miller, and I've had some extraordinary encounters in New London County while on patrol. It all started one night around midnight. I was sitting in my parked cruiser when, to my astonishment, I spotted a creature just 15 feet away. It was large, covered in short dark hair, and completely devoid of any clothing or jewelry. But what truly caught my attention were its massive gray eyes that emitted an eerie glow, like a flashlight cutting through the darkness. Several months later, I received information about an unrelated incident involving three missing individuals who were hunting in the same area where I had encountered the creature before. Determined to investigate further, I gathered a team and set up traps, hoping to catch a glimpse or any evidence of its presence. Despite our efforts, the heavy rainfall hindered our search, and we came up empty-handed. Five weeks passed, and I had long forgotten about the incident when I received a phone call at home. It was the deputy sheriff in charge of the missing person's case, asking if I had witnessed anything unusual. Due to the persistent rain, I knew the creature wouldn't have left any traceable evidence. Nevertheless, I recounted what I had seen five weeks earlier, a towering figure measuring around seven to eight feet in height, with short dark hair and a face that was nothing short of grotesque. And those eyes, still vivid in my memory, glowed with a strange gray hue. During the summer of 1973, I heard another chilling account from Detective Branson. He was called to investigate reports of an unknown animal slaughtering livestock. Initially presumed to be a wolf or coyote, it quickly became apparent that something far more mysterious was at play. As Branson walked through the woods, he stumbled upon large tracks that led him into a dense swamp area enveloped by thick vegetation. It was in that moment that an unsettling feeling washed over him an eerie sensation of being watched. And in the distance, he caught sight of a pair of bright green eyes. Reacting instinctively, Bradson drew his gun and fired a warning shot into the air. 
but as quickly as the eyes appeared, they vanished, leaving him with a sense of impending danger. As darkness descended upon the surroundings, Bradson decided it was best to retreat. He couldn't shake the feeling that whatever lurked in those woods was observing his every move. The description he gave of the creature mirrored the one I had encountered in my own report, though his encounter occurred four years prior to mine. These unsettling events continue to baffle us, leaving us with more questions than answers. What is this enigmatic being that roams our county? Is it merely a figment of our imagination or something far more tangible? As an officer dedicated to serving and protecting, it is my duty to uncover the truth behind these strange encounters, no matter how unnerving they may be. I have a friend whose father worked for the Forest Service. We found Skookum Lake from one of his maps. This was a primitive campsite just north of Bagby Hot Springs. As soon as we arrived, we set up camp and went for a long hike up Thunder Mount after the hike. The sun was beginning to set. All four of us were beat, so we got ready for bed. No drinking, no drugs, no funny stuff. Exhausted, I fell asleep as soon as I hit my mummy bag. Sometime during the night, I heard some noises, not your usual nighttime forest noises. I heard large rocks being thrown down the ridge, banging off the other rocks on the way down. And from the hike earlier in day, I noticed a large pile of boulders near the top of the ridge. It sounded like something was hunting for something. I sat up in my tent 100% alert. I wasn't dreaming. I tried to wake up my friends, but was frozen stiff. I was surprised no one else woke up. Finally, I was asleep, only to be awakened to footsteps outside our camp. It didn't sound like a bear, because the footsteps were spaced apart longer than a four-legged animal. I could not talk, so I tried to throw my socks at my friends. Nothing at all. I forced myself to sleep. And the next day I only asked if anyone else woke up last night to any loud noises. No one did so I never mentioned the rocks and footsteps. There were no footprints anywhere. We didn't like all the mosquitoes, so we left Skookum Lake for another camp. It won't until a few years later when I read about other incidents at Skookum. That's why I think it may have been the Sasquatch. Eleven of us gathered at the crack of dawn, a motley crew of seasoned hunters, each with our own stories etched onto weathered faces and calloused hands. We were embarking on a hunting trip like no other, deep into the untamed wilderness of Oklahoma. Our rifles gleamed in the morning light, a testament to our prowess and determination. As we ventured further into the remote wilderness, our senses sharpened, attuned to every rustle of leaves and fleeting shadow. The air grew heavy with anticipation, and a sense of foreboding washed over us. It was as if the forest itself held its breath, waiting for our first encounter. Days turned into nights, and with each passing moment, the weight of an unseen presence pressed upon us. The cryptid, an unknown entity lurking in the depths of the forest, haunted our every step. Whispered tales of its ferocity and insatiable hunger filled our campfire conversations, fueling both curiosity and fear. Then it began a hunter would vanish without a trace, leaving behind nothing but unanswered questions and a chilling silence that hung in the air. Fear gripped our hearts as the encounters grew more frequent, and the cryptid reveled in our despair. 
One by one, our numbers dwindled, falling victim to the wrath of this supernatural predator. Desperation consumed us, and we realized the true nature of our foe, a dogman, a creature akin to the mythical werewolf, prowling through the darkness with lethal intent. The final hunter, battered and bloodied, stood alone against the relentless assault. He clutched his rifle tightly, determined to defy the odds. A fierce battle ensued, gunfire ripping through the stillness of the forest, but the dogman proved resilient, shrugging off the hunter's bullets. Just as the werewolf lunged forward, ready to deliver the final blow, it froze, sensing a presence in the distance. With a primal howl, it vanished into the shadows, retreating to the sanctuary of the woods. Moments later, a park ranger emerged from the depths of the forest, drawn by the echoing turmoil. With a mixture of relief and pain, he rushed to the injured hunter's side, offering solace and aid. It was a bittersweet victory.